In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And this series is in cooperation with Cinda Virtual, which brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, you can learn more about Cinda on www.cinda.org. But we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world. We have listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from today. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from artificial intelligence to digital transitions to data protection regulations to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live. We're on every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry, because we're all over the web. Just put Leadership Beyond Borders in your browser, and you'll find us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, and almost every major podcast platform. I also invite you to connect with me. Send me an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com, or go to the website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And let me know what you want to hear about on this show. So if you're in a leadership position, regardless if you're local or international, make sure you join us this week and we'll make sure you take away something for yourself or your business. Now, on to today's episode. You know, when you when you put in Google what the future office looks like, you get answers like hybrid, greener, home office, open space, modern, But these things are all very, very much material-oriented or space-oriented. It's very seldom you get an answer about what you want the workplace to look like in the future. And it's very seldom you get an answer that really kind of thinks out of the box. So in this episode, we're going to want to think out of the box today and imagine the future of work. And our guest today is an expert on this. Our guest today is Joseph Press, and he is a workplace architect, experienced digital transformation advisor, and design futurist dedicated to designing better futures. He is the co-author of Office Shock, Creating Better Futures for Working and Living, and it's available on Amazon. And in this, he shares how to prepare for the emerging office of the future. The book is about the workplace of the future and which what it will do to disrupt today's organizational models. The future office verse will be anytime, any place, where we want to work, when we want to work, and how we want to work. It'll consist of networks and tools that will shape us in surprising ways over the next decade and beyond. So, Joseph, we're excited to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Okay, um, great book. I read it. Um, so, my first question is, you, what made you, uh, you're, you're a design office, you're an architect for the future of work. What made you sit down and want to put this in a book? Yeah, thanks, Kimberly. Uh, We were actually triggered by having suffered or experiencing office shock ourselves. So when the pandemic hit, 
uh, I, like probably yourself and many other uh, of our listeners, were moving around, meeting people face to face, either in cities or across countries. And all of a sudden that stopped. And so myself, uh, particularly, and my co-authors, Bob Johansson and Chris Bowen, found themselves in their home office. And we used this opportunity, like many of us who had the luxury of having a home office, to begin to reflect on, well, what is an office exactly? And thinking about it outside of the box, outside of the four walls of an office, we began to think about not only, well, what is the office, but what is work in general and why do we work? What motivates us to get up and work? What are some of the outcomes that we anticipate when we are working? How are we making uh, an impact on climate change when we're working? How are we creating more belonging, people who we're working with and learning from? So a lot of these questions came up because of the pandemic. And we also saw that there were a number of other shocks happening. Uh, we're here in Europe and the war in Ukraine is still going on. Uh, Black Lives Matter uh, began also uh, to raise the importance of, uh, of, uh, of social justice, uh, Me Too as well. So there were a lot of other shocks, triggers, that we felt made a perfect storm, an opportunity to think differently, to think out of the box, to think more future back about what might be a better future for working and living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we all did kind of have that shock in the pandemic. Um, but I want to I want to take a little step back. OK. Uh, and look a little bit before the pandemic happened. We started to shift things. Things started to change. OK. Um, we, we have we started working remotely. Uh, companies, organizations would have, you know, offices across the world, whether it's in Ireland or Zurich or you know, technology hubs in the Ukraine or in Asia. And so we started doing this, okay? But we weren't doing this really with the focus of what the future of work. I mean, we were kind of, I think most of it was cost-oriented, you know. So what, you know, what were we doing wrong and, and how can we make that right now when we start to look at the future of work with this international global expansion? Well, I'd like to think that we weren't doing anything wrong. What we discovered in our research was that we were just continuing some of the patterns of behavior that actually began 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. And as a former workplace architect, when I was designing headquarters uh, in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, we were actually seeing a lot of the changes happening in getting away from cubicles, creating uh, more quiet zones, more collaboration zones. Innovation was just coming into workplace design. But all of that, again, was within a system of process-driven, how can we be more productive? How can we be more effective? And that, I think, was one of the challenges that we still need to break out of. And I'll get to that in a sec. Another aspect, and we also, in our research, the technologies have been around for uh, a long time. If we go back to how the typewriter evolved into a workstation, 
how it evolved into a tablet or mobile device, and how even the screens that we work on evolved from big CRT screens to what we all mostly have are flat screens. All of that also contributed to our ability to create a home office. However, again, it was still within the paradigm of how can we be more productive? How can we get faster results, cheaper? And through OfficeShock, we had the opportunity to begin asking some questions about our priorities, about the, pr the priority of productivity, the priority of efficiency. Uh, and what we're seeing today happen as we are, are still coming out of Office Shock, there's two camps. There are some organizations that are saying, like the CEO of OpenAI said just a couple of weeks ago, Sam Altman, that remote work was a major mistake. And this is an opportunity for us and other organizations of like-minded leaders to mandate going back into the office. There are a few other organizations that are saying, hey, actually, our staff enjoy working at home. They enjoy rebalancing their private lives and their professional lives they actually are finding an opportunity to reflect on the roles and what are they doing to be sure that there is a shared outcome, that there are benefits for everyone, that there is more equality uh, in what we're doing. So interesting, you know, we're doing, we're in two camps right now. Uh, those who are willing to challenge the priorities and the systems that got us to where we are today for the good and the bad, and there are organizations that are beginning to think differently about some of these basic questions. Why do we work? What are the outcomes that we expect? What are the impacts and who are we working with? To think deeper about organizations as a social enterprise, a way for us to come together to address some of the wicked challenge that we're facing. But there are still some others that are mandating coming back to the office, mandating you need to be in the office three days a week and at home two days a week. We believe that those aren't the right questions. We've got to be thinking, as you said earlier, Kimberly, out of the box, out of the office box. Mm -hmm. and, and just to stay on that, um, because I also heard that uh, come out from OpenAI um, last week, I think, or was it the week before? But uh, just out of curiosity, you know, we all went into this lockdown after the pandemic. And then we all said to ourselves, it's never going to go back. Okay. You know, we said, we're, we're you know, it's not going to happen. And then we have this trend. Why do you think we have this, you know, one group trend who's saying you have to come back? Mm. Well, I think that one group trend have to come back and using Sam Altman, but others uh, who are, again, are mandating back to the office, they are driven, I believe, primarily by looking at efficiency, productivity, profits. Those are the metrics that they're still measuring their success on. And that's important. And in our chapter about the spectrum of outcomes, we say that the spectrum of outcomes is going to range from, on one end, profit, and then the other end, prosperity. So I do believe that many leaders and organizations are still leaning on that end of profit. And that's important. Mm -hmm. We don't want to lose that. But we have an opportunity 
to move in a different direction on that spectrum, more towards prosperity. We know it's going to take time. We know it's going to require changes, but we still see office shock and the aftershocks, these questions, why do I need to go back to the office? Is it right for my manager to demand that I need to be in the office? Those are aftershocks, and it's still an opportunity to have some of these more profound uh, questions, conversations. And that was another reason why we wrote the book. We wanted to trigger conversations about these deeper topics because we know we need to be working differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, we're going to take a short break, Joseph. And when we come back, I want I want to talk about that because you talk a lot about that shift from, from profits to prosperity in your book. And then you also talk about how companies actually have to explore themselves on, on what they really want and what the purpose and what the outcomes. And I'd like to dive into that a little bit after the break, um, but we're going to take a short break. And for our listeners today, we are, we are speaking with Joseph Press, and he is a workplace architect, experienced digital transition advisor, and design futurist, dedicating to designing the future of work. He's the co-author of Office, Office Shock, Creating Better Futures for Working and Leaving, and it's uh, available on Amazon. So please look it up. Now, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to the website of www.makeourfuture.coop. And you can also reach out to Joseph under Joseph Press on LinkedIn. He is on Twitter under at Jos Press. And also on LinkedIn, you have the company profile under Make Our Future. So please look up Joseph and reach out to him. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have a learning series on Thursdays at 1700 Central European time, and they have conferences, and the next conference is October 22nd to 25th in Porto, Portugal. So if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. Cinda also has Cinda for Startups, where they have an e-learning platform that is free to entrepreneurs and founders, and you can go to that platform and take uh, learn anything about startups you want to from idea to exit under www.cinda.org, Cinda for Startups. And with that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in each week for The Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Are you a business owner, 1099 contractor, part-time employee, or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford? Do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero-cost funding? How about cost reduction, school safety, mental health wellness, and more? All these and more are fair game on Finding Certainty. If you want more certainty in your own life, you are not alone. Join us each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about the future of work. And our guest today is Joseph Press, and he is a workplace architect, a digital advisor, and futurist dedicated to designing better futures for us and better work futures. And he is a co-author of Office Shock, Creating Better Futures for Working and Living, and it is available on Amazon. So, Joseph, we were, were before we were just talking about these two groups, okay, uh, we came out of the pandemic, and now we're, you know, pretty much back to normal, and everybody kind of thought it was going to be hybrid, okay, and nobody was going to make people go back to the office. There is a group that's doing that, all right, um, and then there is a group that's saying, no, enjoy work. So, I want to I talk about that focus, okay, and you said, the, you know, the people who are, the organizations saying, you know, mandate back to the office for probably focusing on profits, as you said before the break. Um, but we really should be looking at prosperity. So can you just talk a little bit more about that? What do you mean by looking at prosperity and, you know, making that future more comfortable? Yeah. Well, prosperity is probably the biggest challenge because it questions some of our basic uh, business models uh, and particularly for-profit business models that are aimed at generating more profit for owners. And so in the chapter about outcomes, which is the heading for the choices to be made between profit and prosperity, we refer to a couple of really important elements. Uh, number one is uh, ownership. And so ownership of assets, ownership of, of companies, that is uh, evolving slowly. There is a significant uh, growth of cooperatives, uh, particularly uh, in the United States, uh, which is a very interesting signal. For example, uh, there is a driver-owned ride-sharing company in New York City uh, called Ride uh, Co-op, C-O-O-P. And next time you're in New York City and you looking for a ride, you may consider that, downloading the app and actually providing uh, revenue uh, to the drivers themselves because they own the platform. So they're using a platform similar to all of the other ride-sharing companies. Uh, the only difference is that they own part of it. So not only do they get paid the, for, the app, for the time that they are providing that service, 
they also are able to have access to the profit pool in the cooperative. And there are increasing more and more examples of that. Even in New York City, you're seeing cooperatives that are creating rooftop gardens. So what's fascinating about this shift towards more prosperity um, is the ability to change models of ownership, which then changes model of distribution of the financial rewards. Another great example of that is Patagonia. So Patagonia's mm-hmm. recent announcement uh, about you know, getting that uh, funds back to funding uh, uh, initiatives. Now, of course, people need profit and they need to be motivated by profit. But the question that we also raised in that chapter is how much is enough? And it's a question that is very challenging, particularly in an American context. And I think Kimberly has two expats. We can you know, claim that with authenticity and credibility, we know that it is a challenge, particularly in an American context, to raise some of these questions. Now, in the book, we don't come up with answers because, again, our objective is to have conversations and a conversation about moving the needle towards more prosperity is a conversation that includes employees and it includes communities and members of the local communities um, that are providing resources, uh, providing land, where the uh, production sites are actually uh, located. So all of these are very important elements to encouraging the conversation about shifting outcomes more towards prosperity. And that, in our research, is a catalyst for opening up conversations about how can we create more belonging organizations? How can we increase our, or how can we reduce our climate impacts? How can we increase more prosperity for our employees and the communities that we're serving? It is a fundamental uh, trigger for opening up a better future for uh, work in offices and in the communities where they operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to I want to ask a question about raising these questions because I know in the book you you talked about how difficult it is to get these questions raised because you're talking about kind of the the you know communities and organizations and people themselves get bogged down with these paradigms of self-interest, you know, hierarchy, um, privilege, you know, how how can we move past this so that we can start to get people to raise these questions? Yeah, mm-hmm. that is the that is the, the, the key <laughs> question. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of nice ideas. And having been in the transformation business for 30 years, first as an architect, then as a management, you know, technology consultant, and uh, now as a a futurist uh, with a focus on leadership, I believe that there are two, uh, at least two, if not three, insightful ways to help create the conditions for a conversation that is more likely to lead to collective action. Because that's really what we're Mm. we're talking about. So number one is what we refer to in the book as future back thinking. Over the years, I've used a number of different uh, tools and methods to engage uh, organizations in change, whether it be changing to a new work environment, uh, adopting a new technology, 
moving to a new uh, product or service, being more ESG uh, aware and designing supply chains. Thinking about the future gets you away from all of the biases that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. It gets you away from what we refer to in the book as present forward thinking. And by asking the question, what future, specifically 10 years out, and then being able to tell a story from that future, to be able to illustrate that future. And just last week, I was in Barcelona, where we used generative AI to create a headline from the future, to create an illustration of the future. That story then enables a conversation about, well, what would it be like in that future? And that's where you ask the second question, what's next? That's where we get into some more detail about what are the kinds of policies, what are the kinds of technologies, what are the incentive schemes, um, what are the ways that we would want to organize ourselves? Uh, and then, only then, can you begin to ask the question, okay, so what do we do now? And what we talk about in part three of the book which is our focus on what now, we raise questions for each of our spectrums of choice across office shelf to be able to encourage a conversation that moves to action. And the, the second, I believe, paradigm shift that we, were, we are aiming for in the book is to look at change not as a linear process, but as a co-creation of music. And we use the office shock mixing board as a metaphor to help us realize that the choices we make will have different sounds. They will have the need to harmonize and we'll need to synchronize with ourselves, our organizations and the communities that we are part of. Mm-hmm. And and really, that's I mean, it's really well put. And the mixing board. Can can we talk a little bit about that? Because I thought that was so cool. Okay, I mean, in the book, you know, on on and looking at the these def different parameters on you know helping helping organizations understand what that future of work would look like. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the mixing board? Yeah, the mixing board was really a, an opportunity for us to help our clients or, or organizations or communities that want to transition to a better future to be able to visualize how complex this is. And one of the reasons that we ha- haven't been able to make the transition that intellectually we know we need to do is just, it's really hard, it's very complex. So our mixing board uh, visual metaphor lays out on you know, a, a nice page, what are the seven spectrums of choice? It lays out what are the polarity, the ends that we need to be making our choices. So as I mentioned earlier on outcomes, is that profit or prosperity. Uh, mentioned earlier, belonging. Uh, just two weeks ago, I was in New York City uh, with uh, ITSMF, one of the largest black IT communities. And we spoke about the importance of Finding that balance between people who are familiar, which is what we are hardwired to be attracted to, and people who are different, which we are hard tra- hardwired to be concerned or be fearful about. And so we need to make those choices, and it's a conscious choice. Similarly, 
everyone is talking about AI. And as futurists, myself, Bob, and Chris, uh, we included a spectrum on augmentation. So how will organizations use AI? Will it be to replace humans? Or will we stay in our box and focus only on what humans are capable of doing? Well, ideally, augmentation enables us to find the choice in the between. And so these choices in the mixing board ideally outline what are the three or four priorities that we think we can move the needle, we can move the dial up a bit, knowing that we might not be able to change the business model. So maybe outcomes might be a little bit less, or we know we can't change the hierarchy. So we might be leaning on the agility spectrum to more stable structures. That's okay. And what we wanted to say was just start somewhere. And the mixing board should then encourage everyone to think about, well, how can we synchronize? And synchronization is all about rhythm. So if the mixing board is about harmonies, the synchronization between our choices is all about rhythm so that we are all marching to the same drumbeat. Uh, and if your choices are different than your organization, then you may be out of sync. And that would encourage you to have a conversation to reflect, is this the right organization that I'm in? Or you might want to get more in sync with your community around uh, the choices for climate impacts. Net zero might not be enough for you and you want to be regenerative. You want to join a cooperative and participate in the roof garden uh, so that you've got a circular uh, agricultural cycle happening. So again, the mixing board and the musical metaphors are all about helping to encourage open dialogue, conscious choices, so that we can begin to move forward with collective action. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, um, you know, for our listeners to, to really get the book, because the mixing board, you know, for, for an organization, it really gives you these seven spectrums to look at and think about, you know, um, what is the purpose of my office? Or, and I like the belonging and the augmentation and it it brings it all together. And it, it, it once again, come back to what you said, Joseph, it starts to raise that question. So you start thinking kind of forward and and not getting stuck in the present. So I, I recommend looking at that in the book. We're going to take another break now. And when we come back, I, wa I want to talk about that a little bit more, but I want to talk about it from the individual point of view. Because we're talking about the organization looks like the, uh, looks at this, and then you also talk in, in your book about becoming more human-centric an organization. And then we're moving the organizations in one direction, but you know, some of us are still kind of trying to figure out what we want of the future work, okay? And so I wanna talk a little bit more about the individual and where they fit in this whole big puzzle that we're doing. So uh, for our listeners today, we're talking with Joseph Press and he is a workplace architect, a digital advisor and futurist dedicated to designing better futures. And he's the co-author of Office Shock, creating better futures for working and living. And that's what we're talking about. Some of the con great content in that book, which is available on Amazon. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Joseph's work, please go to www.iftf.org. That's the Institute for the Future. So please look him up. He is also on LinkedIn under Joseph Press and on Twitter under at Joseph Press. 
and also the company is on LinkedIn. So once again, that's www.iftf.org, Institute for the Future. And uh, this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They do virtual trainings, hold conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. They also have an e-learning platform for startups, and it takes startups from idea to exit, and it is available free for all founders and entrepreneurs. So please go to www.cinda.org and check that out. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Everyone deserves the opportunity to have access to the knowledge to make their own choices when it comes to where their money goes. Listening to Making More Money for You with Magnus Carter will give you that access. Investing isn't just for the wealthy. Making More Money for You, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking about the future of work. And um, when I talk about the future of work, we're not talking about exactly just what the office looks like. We're thinking out of the box on looking at all the spectrums. And we're speaking with Joseph Press, who's a workplace architect, a digital advisor, and futurist dedicated to designing better futures. And he is the author of Office Shock, Creating Better Futures for Working and Living, a great book that's available on Amazon. And um, Joseph, we've been talking about some of the perspectives that you share in that. We talked about what I thought was so cool in the book is this mixing board that gets organizations to start thinking about this, you know, to thinking about, you know, the purpose of their offices, what are the outcomes they want, and, and kind of you know, them thinking about prosperity, not just profits. But I want to come to the individual, okay? Because, um, you know, we all got thrown home sitting in our offices during the pandemic. Some of us liked it, some of us who really didn't like it, okay? Um, and, and, you know, I think many of us are still trying to figure out what we want, okay? And my question is, how can we kind of, couple what you're talking with the organizations and bring that to an individual level so that I, Kimberly, can figure out, okay, this is really what I want my work 
place or my work to look like in the future. And that question has to start with purpose. Uh, and in the book, what we focus on for purpose is connecting with a bigger purpose. After, of course, you fulfilled your basic needs. So in the book, we refer to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but we also introduce uh, Scott Barry Kaufman's new book, which is a Maslow 2.0, uh, which brings in uh, some of the recent uh, psychology and neuroscience as well. So definitely recommend checking it out. Once you've taken care of those basic needs, then you can begin looking at the collective needs. And collective needs in the book, we leveraged the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So for all of the spectrums, there are sustainable development goals that we can, as individuals, connect with, to find a passion for, to contribute for. Those sustainable development goals are quite big, they are, in many ways, wicked. They're difficult to solve immediately. But if you're able to identify that in your local community where you are able to uh, influence, then that's a great way to increase your individual uh, purpose. Now, once you have that, then I would suggest uh, going to the spectrum of belonging. And the spectrum of belonging, first of all, again, you've got to understand what we refer to in the book and we learn from uh, Gabe Cervantes, one of our uh, fellows at the Institute for the Future. He talks about the importance of understanding your roots, R-O-O-T-S, and your routes, R-O-U-T-E-S. Mm. So where do you come from and where have you come from? And the where do you come from, your roots, we all have roots which in many cases, if not all cases, have some kind of collective trauma. And in the book, we make a very important reference to collective trauma. We all have that. And it's something for us all to be aware of because that then will influence our biases towards people who are different. And that is what belonging is all about, being able to embrace diversity. And similarly, your routes, I'm going to have a different path to where I am today than yourself or many others. That is going to, in some cases, represent power and privilege. In other cases, it's going to be the converse. And what we need to do is, again, be aware of that to be able to achieve a belonging organization where my uh, friend uh, and uh, colleague and expert in belonging organizations, Ibrahim Jackson, he refers to that diversity is being invited to the party, then inclusion is being able to actually eat and drink and enjoy, but then belonging is dancing. It's actually embracing others and creating that collective uh, energy. And then the, the last spectrum, which is very, very relevant to individuals, particularly today, is that place and time. And in the book, we refer to a concept called the office verse. And this is not the metaverse. It's about the variety of places that we will be living and working that many of us became, be, began to appreciate during the pandemic. And that has changed fundamentally than before the pandemic when it was only at the office and maybe occasionally checking email. And then 10 years ago, it wasn't even that. 
It was only at the office. So embracing the office verse so that you're able to identify where do you need to be in order to achieve your objectives. If you need to be more creative, then yeah, I think Sam Altman's right. You need to be in the office. If you need to learn, yeah, you need to be in the office. If you need to have more collaborative, innovative work, then you probably need to be in a smaller co-working space. And if you need to have reflective time, if you need to concentrate and really spend time building up yourself, then home office is a great place to be. And of course, being connected with others online are part of those choices in an office first. Mm-hmm. So those are just three examples, Kimberly, of how one might take the seven spectrums of choice, we've talked about three, to be able to ask question what now for individuals. In part mm-hmm. three, we've got the other questions, not only for individuals, but we also have questions for organizations. And we have those questions uh, and recommendations as well for communities, because we need to be working across the individual, the organization and the community for us to create together better futures for working. Mm -hmm. That's that's really good advice. And um, as we a question that kind of popped in my mind as you were talking, as we create these better futures and and you talked about diversity, inclusion and belonging. Okay, Um, we know that. Sometimes it's very difficult. There are there are certain groups that kind of get left out. Okay, um, we're, and we're trying to build this big future of work. How how do we make sure that we don't miss anybody, and we you know certain communities don't get left out, or certain groups of of employees or organizations don't get left out? Well, Ibrahim uh, Jackson says that there are people that aren't suited for some organizations and that's okay. It's being aware and conscious of times where that doesn't make sense. However, to your point, we've got a lot of catching up to do. There's significant advancement. And as I, as I mentioned briefly uh, in our earlier conversation, I had the honor of uh, joining a panel and a conversation with Ibrahim at uh, IT. Uh, one of the largest black IT organizations in New York City. And there is a clear movement happening within that community, within that family, of building a belonging base, of embracing others. And I think, frankly, for those of us not in that community, we can learn a lot from that, a lot from them. It's an incredible story, and I recommend you know, any of our listeners checking that out. And the conversation that Ibrahim and I had with that group, and there were about 250 uh, of those members, of the members in the audience, my suggestion was that they can really reflect on how can they encourage us that have really been in a box. Uh, and I'm going back to you know thinking out of the box. Many of us uh, who have you know been in a position of privilege and power have been in a box. And to break out of that box, Kimberly, You've got to take yourself into those kinds of situations to be able to break down the biases, to break down the stereotypes. Belonging is not a check in the box that we have this group of minority uh, representatives and that group of minority representatives. It's getting in a room, rolling up our sleeves and really applying future back thinking with people who are different. What future, what next, what now, by having diversity 
of opinion. We all know, and there's sufficient evidence of the power that that brings to not only innovating, but also co-creating a better future for all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that really good. And you know, it's tough though, Joseph. I mean, I, this this you know future, you know, you know, look not looking at the now, looking at future back. Um, it's difficult, and we have so many things going on. I mean, uh, we in Europe have the Ukrainian war, which we're we're very much impacted with. We have changing technology. Um, I just saw some new technology for office technology called Rome, where it's a different kind of virtual office. Um, you know, mm-hmm. all this is going on so how do we how do we kind of break through this you know for our leaders some advice for our leaders out there on on how to keep their feet on their ground but also to look forward so uh, my co-author bob johansson and uh, a mentor who i've learned an incredible amount because of his fundamental role in creating the institute for the future and and really bringing strategic foresight to many parts of the world, he always says that you need to have clarity, not certainty. The present Mm. is very noisy. And by thinking future back, you can have clarity about where do you want to go, and you can have flexibility about how to get there, to not be certain about how you're going to get there. And I believe that having clarity uh, on a future is all about creating the space and the opportunity for people to come together and respond to the question, what is the future that we want? And the mixing board helps us keep track of, all right, well, what were some of the key levers that we felt were gonna be important in that future. The mixing board helps us frame what next, what's coming next. And by applying strategic foresight, having clarity on the signals of change, I mentioned uh, a couple of them today, Rooftop Gardens, uh, the uh, driver co-op in New York City. Uh, you just mentioned one as well, Kimberly Rome, uh, which yeah. I've seen, and that's, that's a signal that we need to be aware of, but we always want to be clear about where do we need to go. And that mixing board, I think, does help it. And then there is no easy way to do the rewiring that is required to be able to make some of the hard choices to answer the question, well, what do we do now? We are hardwired for present forward thinking. It's what's gotten us here Mm -hmm. in the good sense. And it's also created a lot of damage, particularly to the planet and other groups who have not been you know, invited to the party. And so rethinking means rewiring uh, and finding opportunities to trigger rewiring. And that's why I'm a big fan of, of neuroscience and looking for ways to trigger neuroplasticity. You've got to be in uncomfortable situations to be able to have that dose of cortisol that's going to change something in the morning because neuroplasticity happens when you sleep. So it's a tall task, I think, with that mind, you've got to be patient. We've got to be patient. And unfortunately, because those systems that are in place don't give us the chance to be patient, the cultures in place don't give us the chance, the expectations that we have, the pressures we put on ourselves and others don't give us a chance. We really do need to take a deep breath, look around, maintain uh, presence and, again, clarity 
on where we all want to go in order for us to make not just the future, but the world a better place. Yeah. A great, great final words as we get to the end. Uh, clarity, future back. I mean, thank you, Joseph. Really great. Um, for our listeners, we've been talking with Joseph Press, and he is a workplace architect, digital advisor, and futurist dedicated to designing better futures, has just given us some great advice. Um, I think clarity really is the key word here. And you have a great book. It's Office Shock. Uh, you're a co-author with that, Creating a Better Futures for Working and Living. It's available on Amazon. It's a great read, so I definitely recommend it. And if you'd like to get hold of Joseph, you can reach him at www.iftf.org, Institute for the Future. So please reach out to him on that website. But he is also on LinkedIn under Joseph Press and on Twitter under at Joseph Press. And so, Joseph, again, thank you. Great read, great book. Thank you for the, the super insights. And, you, uh, and really uh, great final words. So listeners, please do reach out to Joseph one more time, www.iftf.org, Institute for the Future. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda, and Cinda is one of Europe's fastest-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold trainings, conferences, do market research, and legislative white papers on digital. They also have a e-learning platform that is free to founders and entrepreneurs, and it takes founders and entrepreneurs from idea to exit. So please go to www.cinda.org under Cinda for Startups and check out the e-learning platform. They also had conferences and their next conference is October 22nd to 25th in Porto, Portugal. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information on that. And please do not forget to listen to us every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Pacific time. And if you miss us live, do not worry. We are on every major podcast platform across the web. Just put in Leadership Beyond Borders and you will find us. With that, thank you for listening and tune in again next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.